Section twenty seven of the Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter twenty one. Part one. The Dish of Pomegranate Grain. Now, in the city of Shagpat, Kadza, spouse of Shagpat, she that had belabored Shibli Bagarag, had a dream while these things were doing, and it was a dream of danger and portent to the glory of her eyes, Shagpat. So, at the hour when he was revealed to Shibli Bagarag, made luminous by the beams of Aklis, Kadza went to an inner chamber, and greased her hands and her eyelids, and drank of a phial, and commenced tugging at a brass ring fixed in the floor, and it yielded and displayed an opening, over which she stooped the upper half of her leanness, and pitching her note high, called, Caras! After that, she rose and retreated from the hole hastily, and in the winking of an eye it was filled, as twere a pillar of black smoke, by the body of the genie, he breathing hard with mighty travel. So he cried to her between his pantings and puffings, Speak! Where am I wanted, and for what? Now Kadza was affrighted at the terribleness of his manner, and the great smell of the genie was an intoxication in her nostril, so that she reeled and could just falter out, Danger to the identical! Then he, in a voice like claps of thunder, Out with it! She answered beseechingly, "'Tis a dream I had, O genie, a dream of danger to him!' While she spake, the genie clenched his fists, and stamped so that the palace shook and the earth under it, exclaiming, "'O abominable Kadza! A dream, is it? Another dream? Wilt thou cease dreaming a while, thou silly woman? Know I not he that's powerful against us is an Aklis, crowned ape, and that his spells are gone?' and I was distilling drops to defy the sword and strengthen Shagpat from assault, yet bringest thou me from my labour by the putrid sea with thy accursed dream. Thereat he frowned and shot fire at her from his eyes, so that she singed, and the room thickened with a horrible smell of burning. She feared greatly and trembled, but he cooled himself against the air, crying presently in a diminished voice, Let's hear this dream, thou foolish Kadza. Tis as well to hear it. Probably Rabesquarat hath sent thee some sign from Aklis, where she ferrieth a term. What's that saying? A woman's at the core of every plot man plotteth, and like an ill-reared fruit, first at the core it rotteth. So out with it, thou Kadza. Now the urgency of that she had dreamed overcame fear in Kadza, and she said, O oh, great genie and terrible, my dream was this. Lo, I saw an assemblage of the beasts of the forests, and them that inhabit wild places. And there was the elephant, and the rhinoceros, and the hippopotamus, and the camel, and the camelopard, and the serpent, and the striped tiger. Also the antelope, the hyena, the jackal, and above them, eminent in majesty, the lion. Surely he sat as twere on a high seat, and they like suppliants thronging the presence. This I saw, the heart on my ribs beating for Shagpat. And there appeared among the beasts a monkey all adjoint with tricks, jerking with malice, he looking as t'were hungry for the doing of things detestable, 
and the lion scorned him, and I marked him ridicule the lion, t'was so. And the lion began to scowl, and the other beasts marked the displeasure of the lion. Then chased they that monkey from the presence, and for a while he was absent, and the lion sat in his place gravely, with calm, receiving homage of the other beasts. And down to his feet came the eagle that's lord of air, and before him kneeled the great elephant, and the subtle serpent eyed him with awe. But soon did that monkey, the wretched animal, reappear, and there was no peace for the lion, he worrying till close within stretch of the lion's paw. Wah! The lion might have crushed him, but that he's magnanimous. And so it was that as the monkey advanced, the lion roared to him, Be gone! And the monkey cried, Who commandeth? So the lion roared, The king of beasts and thy king. Then that monkey cried, Homage to the king of beasts and my king, Allah keep him in his seat, and I would he were visible. So the lion roared, He sitteth here acknowledged, thou graceless animal, and he's before thee apparent. Then the monkey affected eagerness, and gazed about him, and peered on this beast and on that, exclaiming like one that's injured and under slight, What's this I've done, and wherein have I offended, that he should be hidden from me when pointed out? So the lion roared, "'Tis where I sit, thou offensive monkey!' Then that monkey in the upper pitch of amazement, "'Thou, is it for created thing to acknowledge a king without a tail? And, O beasts of the forest and the wilderness, how say ye, am I to blame that I bow not to one that hath it not?' Upon that the lion rose and roared in the extreme of his wrath, but the word he was about to utter was checked in him, for twas manifest that where he would have lashed a tail he shook a stump, wagging it as the dog doth. Lo, when the lion saw that, his majesty melted from him, and in a moment the plumpness of content and prosperity forsook him, so that his tawny skin hung flabbily, and his jaw drooped, and shame deprived him of stateliness. Abashed was he." Now, seeing the lion ashamed in this manner, my heart beat violently for Shagpat, so that I awoke with the strength of its beating, and twas hidden from me whether the monkey was punished by the lion, or exalted by the other beasts in his place, or how came it that the lion's tail was lost, witched from him by that villain of mischief, the monkey. But, O oh great genie, I knew there was a lion among men reverenced and with enemies, that lion, he that espoused me, and my glory, Shagpat. T'was enough to know that, and tremble at the omen of my dream, O genie. Wherefore I thought it well to summon thee here, that thou mightest set a guard over Shagpat, and shield him from the treacheries that beset him. When Kadza had ceased speaking, the genie glowered at her a while in silence. Then said he, what creature is that, Kadza, which tormenteth like the tongue of a woman, is small as her pretensions to virtue, and which showeth how the chapters of her history should be read by the holy ones, even in its manner of movement? Cried Kadza, The flea that hoppeth! So he said, Tis well. Hast thou strength to carry one of my weight, O Kadza? She answered in squeamishness, Ay, Wallahi, I'm but a woman, genie, though the wife of Shagpat, and to carry thee is for the camel and the elephant and the horse. 
Then he, Tighten thy girdle, and when tightened, let a loose hoop hang from it. She did that, and he gave her a dark powder in her hand, saying, Swallow the half of this, and what remaineth mix with water, and sprinkle over thee. That did she, and thereupon he exclaimed, Now go, and thy part is to move round Shagpat, and a wind will strike thee from one quarter, and from which quarter it striketh is the one of menace and danger to Shagpat. So Kadza was diligent in doing what the genie commanded, and sought for Shagpat, and moved round him many times, but no wind struck her. She went back to the genie and told him of this, and the genie cried, What? No wind? Not one from Aklis? Then will Shagpat of a surety triumph, and we with him. Now there was joy on the features of Kadza and Karaz, till suddenly he said, Halt in thy song, how if there be danger and menace above, and tis the thing that may be. Then he seized Kadza and slung her by him, and went into the air, and up it till the roofs of the city of Shagpat were beneath their feet, all on them visible. And under an awning, on the roof of the palace, there was the vizier Feshnavat and Baba Mustafa, they ear to lip in consultation, and Baba Mustafa brightening with the matter revealed to him, and bobbing his head, and breaking on the speech of the vizier. Now when he saw them, the genie blew from his nostrils a double stream of darkness, which curled in a thick body round and round him, and Kadza slung at his side was enveloped in it, as with folds of a huge serpent. Then the genie hung still, and lo, two radiant figures swept toward the roof he watched, and between them Nurna bin Nurka, her long hair borne far backward, and her robe of silken stuff fluttering and straining on the pearl buttons as she flew. There was that in her beauty, and the silver clearness of her temples and her eyes, and her cheeks, and her neck, and chin and ankles, that made the genie shudder with love of her, and he was nigh dropping Kadza to the ground, forgetful of all save Noorna. When he recovered, and it was by tightening his muscles till he was all over hard knots, Noorna was seated on a cushion, and descending he heard her speak his name. Then sniffed he the air, and said to Kadza, O spouse of Shagpat, a plot breweth, and the odour of it is in my nostril. Fearest thou a scorching for his sake thou adorest, the miracle of men? She answered, on my head be it, and my eyes. He said, I shall alight thee behind the pole of awning on yonder roof, where are the two bright figures and the dingy one, and the vizier Shevnavat and Nurna bin Nurka. A flame will spring up severing thee from them, but thou art secure from it by reason of the powder I gave thee, all save the hair that's on thee. Thou wilt have another shape than that which is thine, even that of a slave of Nurna bin Nurka, and say to her when she asketh thy business with her, O my mistress, let the storm gather in the storm-bird when it would surprise men. Do this, and thy part's done, O Kadza. Thereupon he swung a circle, and alighted her behind the pole of awning on the roof, and vanished, and the circle of flame rose up, and Kadza passed through it slightly scorched, and answered to the question of Nurna, O my mistress, let the storm gather in the storm-bird, when it would surprise men. Now when Noorna beheld her, and heard her voice, she pierced the disguise, and was ware of the wife of Shagpat, 
and glanced her large eyes over Kadza from head to sole, till they rested on the loose loop in her girdle. Seeing that, she rose up and stretched her arms, and spread open the palm of her hand, and slapped Kadza on the cheek and ear a hard slap, so that she heard bells. And ere she ceased to hear them, another, so that Kadza staggered back and screamed, and Feshnevet was moved to exclaim, what has the girl thy favourite offended in, O my daughter? So Nurna continued slapping Kadza, and cried, Is she not sluttish, and where's the point of decency established in her, this Lulo? Shall her like appear before thee and me with loose girdle? Then she pointed to the girdle, and Kadza tightened the loose loop, and fell upon the ground to avoid the slaps, and Noorna knelt by her, and clutched at a portion of her dress and examined it, peering intently. And she caught up another part, and knotted it as if to crush a living creature, hunting over her and grasping at her. And so it was that while she tore strips from the garment of Kadza, Feshnevet jumped suddenly in wrath, and pinched over his garments, crying, "'Tis unbearable! Tis I know not what other than a flea that persecuteth me!' Upon that, Noorna ran to him, and while they searched together for the flea, Baba Mustafa fidgeted and worried in his seat, lurching to the right and to the left, muttering curses, and it was evident he too was persecuted, and there was no peace on the roof of that palace, but pinching and howling and stretching of limbs, and curses snarled in the throat, and imprecations on the head of the tormenting flea. Surely the soul of Kadza rejoiced, for she knew the flea was Keraz, whom she had brought with her in the loose loop of her girdle, through the circle of flame which was a barrier against him. She glistened at the triumph of the flea, but Noorna strode to her, and took her to the side of the roof, and pitched her down it, and closed the passage to her. Then ran she to Keravegis and Vidravush, whispering in the ear of each, No word of the sword? And afterward aloud, what think ye will be the term of the staying of my betrothed in Aklis, crowned ape? They answered, O pearl of the morn, crowned ape, till such a time as Shagpat be shaved. So she beat her breast, crying, O utter stagnation, till Shagpat be shaved, and O stoppage on the tide of business, dense cloud upon the face of beauty, and frost on the river of events, till Shagpat be shaved and, oh, my betrothed, crowned ape in Aklis, till Shagpat be shaved. Then she lifted her hands and arms, and said, To him where he is, ye genii, and away, for he needeth comfort. Thereat the glittering spirits dissolved and thinned, and were as taper gleams of curved light across the water in their ascent of the heavens. When they were gone, Noorna exclaimed, now for the dish of pomegranate grain, O Baba Mustafa, and let nothing delay us further. Quoth Baba Mustafa, "'Tis ordered, O my princess and fair mistress, from the confectioners, and with it the sleepy drug from the seller of medicaments, a cursed flea. Now she laughed and said, "'What am I, O Baba Mustafa?' So he said, "'Not thou, O bright shooter of beams, but I will lahi, I'm but a bundle of points through the pertinacity of this flea, a house of irritabilities, a mere mass of fretfulness, and I've no thought but for the chasing of this unlucky flea. Was never flea like it in the world before this flea, 
and tis a flea to anger the holy ones, and make the saintly dervish swear at such a flea. He wriggled and curled where he sat, and Noorna cried, What, shall we be defeated by a flea, we that would shave Shagpat and release this city and the world from bondage? And she looked up to the sky that was then without a cloud, blazing with the sun on his mid-seat, and exclaimed, O star of Shagpat, wilt thou constantly be in the ascendant and defeat us, the liberators of men, with a flea? Now, whenever one of the twain, Baba Mustafa and the vizier Shefnavat, commenced speaking of the dish of pomegranate grain, the torment of the flea took all tongue from him, and was destruction to the gravity of counsel and deliberation. The dish of pomegranate grain was brought to them by slaves, and the drug to induce sleep, yet neither could say aught concerning it, they were as jointy grasshoppers through the action of the flea, and the torment of the flea became a madness, they shrieking, "'Tis now with thee, tis now with me, fires of the damned on this flea. In their extremity they called to Allah for help, but no help came, save when they abandoned all speech concerning the dish of pomegranate grain. Then were they for a moment eased of the flea. So Nurna recognized the presence of her enemy Keraz, and his malicious working, and she went and fetched a jar brimmed with water for the bath, and stirred it with her forefinger, and drew on it a flame from the rays of the sun, till there rose up from the jar a white thick smoke. She rustled her raiment, making the wind of it collect round Baba Mustafa and Feshnavat, and did this till the sweat streamed from their brows and bodies, and they were sensible of peace and the absence of the flea. Then she whisked away the smoke, and they were attended by slaves with fresh robes, and were as new men, and sat together over the dish of pomegranate grain, praising the wisdom of Nurna and her power. Then Baba Mustafa revived in briskness, and cried, Here's the dish, and tis in my hands an instrument, an instrument of vengeance, and one to endow the skilful wielder of it with glory. And tis as I designed it, sweet, seasoned, savoury, a flattery to the eye, and no deceiver to the palate. Wah, and such an instrument in the hands of the discerning and the dexterous, and the discreet and the judicious, and them gifted with determination, is it not such as sufficeth for the overturning of empires and systems, O my mistress, fair one, sapphire of the city? And is it not written that I shall beguile Shagpat by its means, and master the event, and shame the king of Ulb and his court? And I shall then sit in state among men, and surround myself with adornments and with slaves, mute, that talk not save at the signal, and are as statues round the cushions of their lord, that's myself. And I shall surround myself with the flatteries of wealth, and walk bewildered in silks and stuff and perfumeries, and sweet young beauties shall I have about me, antelopes of grace as I like them, and select them, long-eyed, lazy, fond of listening, and with bashful looks that timidly admire the dignity that's in man." While he was pratting, Noorna took the dish in her lap, and folded her silvery feet beneath her, and commenced whipping into it the drug. And she whipped it dexterously and with equal division among the grain, whipping it and the flea with it, but she feigned not to mark the flea, and whipped harder. Then took she colour, and coloured it saffron, and laid over it gold-leaf, so that it glittered and was an enticing sight, 
and the dish was of gold, crusted over with devices and patterns, and heads of golden monsters, a ravishment of skill in him that executed it, cumbrous with ornate golden workmanship. Likewise there were places round the dish for sticks of perfume, and cups carved for the storing of perfumed pellets, and into these Nurna put myrrh and ambergris, and rich incenses, aloes, sandalwood, prepared essences, divers keen and sweet scents. Then when all was in readiness, she put the dish upon the knee of Babu Mustafa, and awoke him from his babbling reverie with a shout, and said, An instrument verily, O Baba Mustafa, and art thou a cat to shave Shagpat with that tongue of thine? Now he arose and made a sign of obedience, and said, "'Tis well, O lady of grace and bright wit, and now for the cap of Shiraz and the Persian robe, and my twenty slaves and seven to follow me to the mansion of Shagpat. I'll do, I'll act.' So she motioned to a slave to bring the cap of Shiraz and the Persian robe, and in these Baba Mustafa arrayed himself. Then called he for the twenty and seven slaves, and they were ranged, some to go before, some to follow him. And he was exalted, and made the cap of Shiraz nod in his conceit, crying, Am I not leader in this complot? Wallahi! All bow to me and acknowledge it. Then to check himself, he called out sternly to the slaves, Ho ye, forward to the mansion of Shagpat, and pass at a slow pace through the streets of the city, solemnly, gravely, as before a potentate. Then will the people inquire of ye, who it is ye marshal, and what mighty one? And ye will answer, he's from the court of Shiraz, nothing less than a vizier, bearing homage to Shagpat, even this dish of pomegranate grain. So they said, to hear is to obey. End of part one of chapter twenty-one.